Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. 1990, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. A beautiful day. Uh, it has really turned out to be a nice day after all the rain we had woo. over the last few days. Uh, yeah, Andy Burcham with the woo there in the background. How you doing, Andy? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. <laughs> That's good. Appreciate appreciate the uh, the uh, calls from the audience there. I, I, I like that. <laughs> That's just like just like when you're doing a game and folks, uh, <laughs> folks puzzling. Yeah, uh, and Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, with us from the outset here on this Tuesday edition of the Drive. Dan is. Uh, Dan's going to be skyping and feeling a little bit under the weather, and uh, you know he not a good, you know got to go ahead and get well mm. as we will uh, check with Dan. I, I know he's got another ball game on Thursday, so uh, hopefully he gets feeling better. Now earlier today, Dan and I uh, sort of had a conference call that we recorded with Butch Thompson. We'll let you hear that a little later on. Uh, Bruce Pearl met with the media just a little while ago as Auburn looking to bounce back from that road loss in Gainesville. That's nothing new. It, uh, I thought about this yesterday, Andy. The next time Auburn goes to Gainesville, it will have been 30 years since they have won down there. That's just been it, – it's, it's been a nightmare going down there. Well, the last time Auburn won at Kentucky, you were on the call. Oh, golly, that's right. That's <laughs> – well, there we are. Yeah, so that's that's there's ancient. A little, there's that's a little perspective history. for you. Wow, that's ain't. Fortunately, Auburn gets Kentucky here. Right. This weekend, Thank game you. day with the game day uh, crew coming in town. That that's huge. Auburn, Bruce pointing this out. It is really for the the last four seasons that game day has been on the road. Right. They've come to Auburn, and I think Aub- only Auburn and Kentucky, no Auburn and Kansas, Kansas are in that group. Um, I, it, it says a lot about the SEC. It says a lot about Auburn. It says a lot about the jungle and Neville Arena. Uh, that that again, game day will be here on Saturday morning. Be interesting to see because you know the last time that the game day was here was before Alabama, mm-hmm. and it was an early start for right. that game. There's a little bit of a uh, oh yeah, you've got a break. You've got a baseball game in between. Right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It is an it is an incredibly busy weekend. On the Auburn Sports Network. I mean, with basketball tomorrow night right. at 7.30, our pregame coverage starts at 7. We have Tiger Talk on Thursday night with um, with Coach Pearl, Coach Thompson, and Ryan Wakamurka. There are three yeah. guests oh, on, on Thursday. Women's basketball on Thursday night. Britt mm-hmm. Bowen, Dr. Larry Deshera uh, on the call over at Neville Arena. And then Friday, of course, is the start of baseball season. Auburn and Eastern Kentucky. That game has been announced formally for a 6 o'clock start now on Friday evening. They had right. been TBA. They kept looking at weather. They want to try and get uh, let as, as many folks get there as possible, and 6 o'clock is the best time for that. And it's not going to be terribly cold Friday night. Right. Uh, so it's a 5.45 broadcast. Brad and I will have the call. We were, as a matter of fact, we were at Plainsman Park setting up equipment today. Oh, great. Te- testing and setting up equipment. So we're ready to go for Friday. Uh, then Saturday, as you mentioned, it's Auburn and Eastern Kentucky at 1 o'clock in baseball, and Brad and Paul Ellen will have that call. Then basketball uh, after game day, the, the Tigers and Kentucky at 5.30. And our pre – is that right? No, it's 4.30, right? 4.30. Yeah. 
No, five o'clock is is tip off. So four thirty. Four thirty broadcast. The yes, and then you're Sunday. the guy doing the game. I know. I know. I'll, you know, I'll be there <laughs> early, so it doesn't matter. It's, yeah, you're right. You'll be. Uh, <laughs> it is busy though. And then Sunday wraps up the Auburn Eastern Kentucky series at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, yeah, and, and hopefully, weather and everything cooperates. Yeah. Looks like it's going to just be chilly, but I mean, what else is new for the start it's, of baseball? It's, it's mid-February. That's right. Well, right. it's start of baseball. Exactly. Always has to get cold. Exactly. Well, that that is great. So a uh, busy, busy week here uh, <laughs> locally with all the all the athletics. Andy's here in the studio. Just heard from Dan. Dan said he's going to come in. But he's going to wait till you leave. He's concerned for your health. Okay, well that's so, very uh, kind. Yeah, Thank you, that, Dan. that's nice. And, and I, hope, uh, I hope it's nothing personal. We'll open the windows and sit down over, sit down over there uh, <laughs> exactly. when, when, when he comes in. Right. But yeah, he'll be joining us here in a little while. So it's it's Bill and Andy with Drew at the controls here in hour number one. We'd love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar, or you can text us on the drive text box, which is presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And that number is 334-564-1840. So, yeah, anything that you want to talk about sports-wise, well, Andy, I, I guess um, we ought to look back at, at Saturday, mention it that Auburn once again struggling. Is it 14 or 15 straight losses down there now? It's 1996. Yeah, you're right. That's it's, it. It's 96. <laughs> And and just it, it it wasn't a good start. Auburn was down nine nothing in the blink of an eye. Right. They cut it to yeah, six. They never led. And that's or or tied. Right. After Florida scored the first basket, Florida led the entire ball game, wire and, to wire, and Auburn never tied the game. And guy, I think as close as six in the contest. And and every time Auburn made somewhat of a run, Florida seemed to respond, except for the last ten minutes. And and Auburn made a run and cut what was once a twenty nine point lead. Yeah down to 18, but uh, you, you look at Auburn's shooting woes on the road, Auburn's free-throw shooting woes, which really has not been a problem for the Tigers, especially since the start of SEC play. And Florida looked like the fresher team. Florida looked like the better basketball team. You take nothing away from what Florida did on Saturday. Uh, they were they were clearly the better basketball team. It was a great crowd, great atmosphere. It was a it was a very important game for Florida. It was, and it was an important game for Auburn, uh, quite frankly. But it was just it 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 was not a good start, and things just didn't get a whole lot better. Uh, it was not a happy flight home, I don't think, for the team. I I was I was in a car uh, driving back, but and and now you get two incredibly tough home games. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, folks. When this season started and you looked at South Carolina before Kentucky, did anyone think that the team that is in first place in the SEC would be South Carolina and not Kentucky? No, the higher-ranked team or the team in first place? No, South Carolina was picked last in the SEC. Right, and right now is tied with Alabama for first place in the league and have played like a first-place team in the SEC. They've been getting wins on the road and at home. They're very physical. It's an older team. In spite of the fact that it is a team filled with transfers, all starting five mm-hmm. are transfers in. And Lamont Paris has done a fabulous if, – if anyone votes for anyone else for Coach of the Year in the SEC, well, let, let's take a – at this moment, right now. Uh, well, yeah, I, I thought about this yesterday, Andy. If they finished – if they lost out and finished 9-9, nine and nine, they have 21 wins, right. they're still most likely going to make the postseason. Without, without question. He would still probably be your Coach of the Year. And Agreed. they're not going to lose out. No, they're not. 
And um, anyway, it's it's one of the best stories. It's probably the best story in a year of good stories in the Southeastern right. Conference. Uh, so Carolina comes in here tomorrow night. 7.30 is a tip-off, 7 o'clock our broadcast on the Auburn Sports Network. And then you get Kentucky in what is always built up as a huge game and has been for several years now at Neville Arena. And then Auburn gets its bye week. No game a week from tomorrow before Auburn goes to Georgia. Right. And 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 Bruce mentioned, he uh, just addressed that briefly today. I, I haven't looked at the entire conference, but most teams, when they get the bye week, are on the road. I mean, so, so it was sort of a, a double bonus right. for Florida. While Auburn was playing Alabama late night Wednesday night, and then traveling to Gainesville on Friday, right. Florida had the whole week off, and they didn't have to go anywhere as they prepared right. for Auburn. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if a the and I'm I'm not saying that these coaches aren't happy to have a bye week. Oh no, not at all. And I don't know how that will be affected next year with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that bye week will be gone. Probably. If it is, if it is still there. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a push by coaches to say, all right, listen, if we've got a bye week, you do not get a home game on the back end of the bye week. You go on the road. That makes perfect sense. I agree. You should be fresh enough to be able to go on the road after a bye week. And so. that will be Auburn's. That's, that's right. Auburn, that's Auburn next Auburn, week. Auburn goes on a road trip. Auburn right. goes uh, you know, on the road for the week. for uh, To Georgia and Tennessee. Right. Whew. To close out, close out February. What, right. what, a, what a month. I mean, quite the challenge. Uh, this month of February, and and yeah, South Carolina coming in, uh, a team that uh, a team that at times is is uh, as frustrating to watch. I know guy have to be frustrating right. to play there. Bruce mentioned it today, very much Wisconsin like. Well, and that's saying that's Lamont Paris. That's his it background. Is. It is. He, and, he was part of he was part of two Final Fours at Wisconsin and a national championship runner up. Uh-huh. At Wisconsin. He was part of that staff. And so um they, and and yeah, they, they play a slowdown. I don't know if slowdown is the right way, but they're very physical. They play outstanding defense. They hit the glass, which at times has been a bugaboo for Auburn uh this season. And they're big and they're physical and they're older team. Auburn will be incredibly tested tomorrow night uh against the South Carolina ball club. Yeah, it is it is the you know, they statistically um, as far as points allowed, one of the better teams in the country, allowing 65 points a game. And a big part of that is because they will run the clock. They will right. offensively make you defend for as close to 30 seconds as they can on every possession. They don't turn the ball over a lot. <laughs> so that'll be very important you know, for Auburn. Bruce said, we're going to try to speed them up. Well, to, to do that, you're going to have to create some turnovers. You're going to have to rebound. And Auburn has done a good job of creating turnovers. Rebounding, right. on the other hand, there have been times where that has been lacking for the Tigers. So, And, and South Carolina comes in as the higher-ranked higher, higher ranked team. Yeah, that's great. Than the Tigers tomorrow night. Well, 21-3. and three. Yeah, I mean, it's a really it, good ball club. It, it really is. So for anyone thinking, well, we'll just – South Carolina, by the way – I mean, I know Kentucky's lost three straight home games, but they have they have wins at Lexington and Knoxville. Right. So I mean, two of the very best road wins in the SEC this year. Period. Yeah, no question about it. So I mean, they're they're not uh, they're not going to come in intimidated. No. So no, they're not. But but 
the crowd, it's still, I mean, the the home <laughs> crowd here at Neville Arena, uh, we, we talked about it some a week ago, and I was asked by a couple of people, I guess Wimp Sanderson asked me, you know, how much is a home court worth? It's got to be 10 points at Auburn. I really feel like they're that much better in front of the crowd, home crowd. And they're not the only team that plays much better when you're at home. Oh, no. So, but, but this Auburn team certainly does and will be tested tomorrow night. Don't, don't be surprised if this game isn't in the 70s. Oh, no. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, I mean, if, if you get to 75, I think you've got a great shot of winning the ball game. I agree. Valentine's night ball game at uh, Neville Arenas and an odd start, a 7.30 start. TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's TV. I, I don't know why. It's better than 8. I guess it is. It's a half hour better than 8 o'clock. You're right, Bill. Uh, we're just underway. Love for you to join in. It's Bill and Andy, Drew at the controls here on the uh, Wednesday, Tuesday drive. Hour number one, just getting underway. Come on in and join us, 334-321-1390. The Orthopedic Clinic asks you. ESPN 106.7. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Dan will be joining me a little later on. He wasn't uh, wasn't feeling great at the start of the show, so he'll be coming in. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, here in the studio uh, along with Bill. We have Drew at the controls, and we'd love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. That's the uh, Drive Hotline sponsored by Skybar. Or you can text us on the Drive text box. And uh, that is presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, who also sponsor the podcast. So if you miss any any of the drive, any day, any part of the show, check out our podcast, which are brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And uh, if you want to text in, that uh, number is 334-564-1840. As, as you were saying a little while ago, Andy, it is it is an extremely busy time. You have uh, every, just about uh, so many sports going on here in the month of February. We found out football spring practice starts the 27th, so we've got, we'll have football, basketball, men's and women's basketball, and baseball that are all going on at the same time. And softball. And softball. Oh, yeah. yes. And, and well, I mean, and gymnastics. I mean, there are, but, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's it's fun. It is, uh, it's sort of hard to keep up with uh, everything that's going on in every sport, but um, wanted to get your thoughts. You went out last week. You were over at. Plainsman Park when we uh, when when visited with you and uh, you got a chance to to watch some a guy that you mentioned the other day uh, continued in the scrimmages over the weekend Bobby Pierce who uh, who has come back and uh, really driving the ball with more authority it seems like this spring I think it all revolves around health for Bobby uh, those two knees of you know he's had problems with both in mm-hmm. his career oh it's hard I mean the thing is if you can't turn you, you right. need you need your knees uh, to be able to really get into a swing yeah I was out there last Tuesday as, as you mentioned I did the the show from from the press box and in the in the the time that I was on with you he had a two-run homer and had a two-run single in about a three-inning span 
and has it sounds like he has just continued to drive the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I mean, I think he and Cooper McMurray are the two expected power guys right now. Um, to a certain degree, Ike Irish, although he, he's more of a doubles guy for at Auburn. this point, yeah. yeah. And who else emerges mm-hmm. uh, in the power department for this Auburn? I mean, less than a year ago, Bryson Ware. We didn't know anything about Bryson Ware. Other than he had the frame, and we all, you know, well, if he puts it together, watch out. Well, he did. Oh, it, it was in unbelievable. A, in a record-breaking season a year ago as Auburn's everyday third baseman. Uh, so is there one of those guys, maybe not to that extent, record-breaking, but is it where there was one of those guys that we're just not looking at right now that, that you know, becomes Bryson Ware-esque uh, with, with this team? I like this everyday nine mm-hmm. that, that Auburn will put out there. Uh, Auburn returns almost all of its pitching, I guess. They return almost all of its pitching, and Joseph Gonzalez, exactly. who only threw five innings, is back in one in one outing. Yeah, five innings, one outing. Very a year first. Ago. Yeah. yeah, and then so and we will see. We will see Joseph. He is scheduled to go Saturday in that one o'clock game against Eastern Kentucky. So uh, I, I like the makeup of this team, but I think you know Butch Thompson wants to see this team against somebody else. How does this team play against Eastern Kentucky? And then it gets UAB, and then it goes on the road to a very, very tough tournament down in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, it's one of the things when, uh, and again, uh, Dan and I uh, were able to talk with Butch Thompson a little earlier today. We'll play that for you in hour number two, and that's one of the things he talked about, how challenging this schedule is, wanting to schedule up and play uh, some very challenging competition. And you're right, after Eastern Kentucky and then UAB Tuesday, to Jacksonville to get Virginia and I mean there's Wichita State yeah. and um and Iowa are the three teams in in that in reverse order Iowa then Wichita State and then Virginia in that order next Friday Saturday well a week from Friday Saturday Sunday down in Jacksonville Florida right and uh, that that's that's quite the challenge yeah. and what you'd like I mean uh, what you'd like and what you're sort of forced to do early is you don't want to overextend anybody this weekend. I would imagine we'll see quite a few arms. Without question. I, I don't think you, you extend anybody in the opening weekend. I mean, it's early in the season. It's likely to be cool Yep. Uh, this weekend with temperatures in the 50s. So you're coming out, hope you are, coming out this weekend, uh, dress appropriately. and um, It's always cooler than it looks, it seems that's like, true. at the ballpark. That's true. I, someone I set up and I put a picture out on, on X today just said, you know, equipment's already set up and someone said yeah you got the the door closed or the windows closed i said they'll be open on friday don't worry (laughs) (laughs) yeah so do but do dress appropriately it's not going to be as cold friday night as expected saturday or sunday night but uh it it can get chilly and uh i'm i'm looking forward to getting in and just sort of seeing what everything looks like i haven't haven't been inside since all the uh, construction has moved along i've not been down to the hall of fame club yet um, the, the seats are ready right behind home plate mm-hmm. for that. Uh, the construction will continue getting ready for the, the big construction at the ballpark throughout the year. What used to be the Tiger Plaza down the yes. right field line will be no more. That, that area is already being ready, readied for the, the suites and the press box being moved down that right field line at this point. So, yeah. So, um, be prepared for that. Right. But, uh, but again, it's, uh, um, 
It's a great opportunity. I, I noticed that there are, uh, and, and one of the things that uh, Butch was talking about a little earlier is the way they've handled the Hall of the Hall of Fame seating for this year, and the ad, <coughs> excuse me, and the add-ons are available as well. I mean, folks can buy. Yeah, remember those, you, the you, add-ons yeah, to their you, to their regular. You tickets. don't have to have seats. The new seats, you can still take part in the Hall of Fame Club. It right. is a separate ticket, but if you have a seat in the stadium somewhere else, you can still take part and enjoy that Hall of Fame Club for all of the games throughout the yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and you can go online. You can uh, check that out. They're they're available for each ball game, and you'll Ob, be able obtix.com. <clears throat> yeah, you'll be able to uh, uh, hang out there in the club or get up to the rail, uh, which is behind the seats. And somebody was wondering, how does that work? Well, I, I would think it's going to be very similar to the uh, to the standing room situation at Neville Arena. Right. Um, we'll, we'll find out together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, looking forward to that. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, um, who are some of the young players that uh, that you're looking forward to to seeing well, have an opportunity? Um, whomever ends up at second, short, and third. Uh huh. And it could be new faces. Well, it will be new faces at least in two of those, maybe mm-hmm. all three of those spots for Auburn. We'll probably see a brand new face in left field for the Tigers with Stanfield in center and Bobby, Bobby Barrels, Pierce right. yep. Bobby Pierce out in right. Ike Irish will be in a new spot for Auburn. He'll be, he is right now among Auburn's rotation and will start for Auburn behind the plate. Of course, a year ago, he was almost completely the DH for the Tigers. He will get a lot of work behind the plate. There is good depth there for Auburn. Oh, yeah behind the plate as well. So those spots, I want to see Ike Irish catch a game. And he came to Auburn, remember, as a catcher. I want to see how well this brand-new infield, other than Cooper McMurray at first, how does it how does it form for the Tigers? And then the new left fielder, how does, how does this individual handle the monster mm-hmm. in left? And let, let's be honest, I mean, the last time we had a different outfield, a different center fielder for Auburn, was about six years ago. Yeah, it was. that's how long Casey Howell was here and set the Auburn record for most games played for the Tigers. Chris Stanfield, I, I am not terribly concerned about his ability. I'm not in concerned center. about him, but it's just yeah, it's going right. to be somebody very different in center than Casey Howell, who was there for quite some time. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, sound like um, Cooper Weiss has got a, an excellent shot. Javon Hernandez is, they is like the him. name that we have heard an yeah. awful lot this and, spring. And they're looking at him at second, at third. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him at third to open up for Auburn. And then Mainers is the guy that they're looking at in, in, left. in left field at this point. 334-321-1390. That is the uh, drive hotline. Looks like, oh, Dan's decided to come in. He's, he must be feeling a little bit better. So we'll go ahead and get to our bottom of the hour break. Yes, open the window as uh, as as – as we get some uh, fresh air in. And uh, Dan joins us here in the studio. We'd love for you to join us. 334-321-1390 here on the Tuesday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Dan Peck joining us here in the studio. Glad you're feeling better, big guy. I am feeling better. I was uh, 
you know, I was touch and go earlier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna power through it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna play hurt. Well, well, I I, <laughs> I appreciate the effort. So uh, so I now I don't want to miss Andy Burcham either. It's been too well, long. I understand. You know, too, too many uh, too, too many weeks where we you know our, our paths did not cross. So. Well, yeah, either you've been gone, or Andy's been uh, you know on lo- you know Andy's been gone, or both. Exciting. No, it's an exciting time too with with uh, basketball. I mean, every single conference game means a lot. When you get into February, the, the closer the postseason gets, and uh, baseball. I mean, to, to to start baseball. I mean, always a special time of year, and uh, and yeah, who who better to talk to uh, than uh, than and, and and of course we pre-recorded an interview with uh, with with Butch Thompson. We're going to mm-hmm. have for you later today. Yeah, that'll come up a little after five o'clock this afternoon. Um, as as we were talking uh, w- with Andy, yes, baseball getting started six o'clock. They just announced that today. Um, they were waiting to make sure. I think. I think weather was a big concern, and and being able to accommodate as many fans as possible. No, no, everybody. To, everybody wants to be at opening day. Yeah. Not to spoil anything about the interview we had with uh, with Butch, but he talks about how ambitious the non conference schedule is, and, and and I didn't realize. I mean, it. it I mean, and he, he talks about it largely because he thinks the non conference schedule is one of the things that's held Auburn back in tournament seating and uh, prevented Auburn from hosting a regional in years past, but they really went out of their way to schedule a top-tier group of opponents for the non-conference schedule this year. Got Eastern Kentucky coming in. You've got UConn coming in. You've got Air Force coming in um, among Auburn's non-conference opponents uh, coming to Plainsman Park. Um, And then you go – Bill and I were talking in the previous segment just about Auburn's road trip coming up starting – a week from Friday when you go to Jacksonville and you get Iowa and Wichita State and Virginia in, in three really tough games there. So, uh, yeah, this is – this is and, and then it's, this, it's the typical guys. You know, you're home and away against UAB. Uh, you're home and away with the neutral game with Sanford. You get Troy in – you get Troy. Midweek, right? Yeah, midweek. You get a midweek uh, in Montgomery against South Alabama. You get Jacksonville State coming in. So, the – the the typical midweek opponents, especially after the the start of Southeastern. I like the play. fact that Auburn continues to play the other in-state schools. I agree, and and Butch Thompson's talked about that. It's important to him. I mean, listen, he was he was at Birmingham Southern. Yes, uh, he knows how important it is to get these kind of games, and uh, they have they are very good midweek opponents for the Tigers. So I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. It's the last year. Of the SEC tournament, the way we have known it for quite a while. Next year, everybody gets in. Yep, and and with, a single with, elimination with, with too. Texas and Oklahoma coming right. in. I like that. I didn't. I mean, you save your pitching staff. Absolutely. Now listen, I mean, most teams go to the the SEC tournament knowing they're in. There have been times where you you play your way in right to the NCAA tournament. You'll still have that opportunity, but you know the the, the first couple days of the tournament has been single elimination mm-hmm. now the entire tournament's going to be single elimination and and teams will have double buys kind of the way it's set up with the the, the basketball tournaments right at this point so yeah so that's uh that that's I, I like that change uh and I guess there's really nothing that can do, be done about the regular season next year I mean you're going to play you're not going to play more than 30 conference games so you're going to have to you're, you're going to miss a third of the teams in the conference every year. I hope that they just spread it out evenly. I mean, there's a way to – yeah, you could do that where right. it would just rotate and two out of three years you'd play 
you know, you'd play every team two out of three years. Yeah. You could do that. And I think they're making more of an effort to do that with the football schedule moving forward. I wonder if I'm, the, I'm, I'm really go, – go ahead, Well, I'm, I'm wondering if they're tempted to go sort of unofficial divisions in baseball where you'd say, okay, there are – you know, if, if you divide it east-west or north-south, however you want to say, there are going to be six or seven teams you play every year, and then we rotate the rest, and maybe we factor in geography and we factor in – You could do five if yeah, you wanted to maybe, do that. Maybe do it that way, I mean, yeah. But, but you designate – here are a couple of teams that either because of history – or because of geography, or because of both, you play those teams every single year, and then the rest of the schedule right. rotates based on, yeah, on, on the, the conference. The easiest way to do that would be you play five teams, you've got ten others. You play five of them one year, you play the other five the other year, things like that. I, I think there will probably be some constants, and I think it could yeah. be two common opponents, and if it's two common opponents in the in SEC baseball, it likely would be Alabama and Georgia. You, you, it would it would it would be easier if you did three. Now, there may be because that way there may be <clears> because if you if you do that, um, you know you've you've got an even number right. of other yep. teams. Of course, you're trying to come up with ten, come up with ten opponents each year. The all right, let me go ahead and jump to football. I'm hoping it goes to nine games, and I, and I, I think I, it will. And I and I would think that we'll find that out during media days. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Just because the the, the drama of, of media days and typically there's something that breaks, uh, I mean it will be the worst kept secret. Oh sure. However, uh, but I think I think that's where we all feel that it's going at this point. As uh, I guess, just as soon as ESPN ponies up a little more money. Well, and and there's there's been the you know the, they've they've ponied up at least for the the college football playoff. I am I am as of today. I am pessimistic though. We haven't talked about the you know which is actually it's going to be a, it's going to end up being a pretty big deal. But but ESPN Turner and Fox partnering on the their, streaming platform their their own streaming bundle. Yeah, I, but, I, but there's talk of the price point starting in the 40s or 50s and. Uh, that you know, to me, if 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 people aren't already viewing, like let's say YouTube TV, which right now sixty five, seventy bucks, seventy two ninety nine, gets, gets you all of those channels, is a is is a sports is a sports alone package worth forty or fifty? Uh, you know, without without the other I, channels that YouTube TV, like I don't know. I mean, it's an I, interesting. I, 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 I don't doubt that they they'd start like thirty nine ninety nine. It's an interesting like idea, but they'd have to find they'd have to find a price point that's palatable with. And, and I just think they're chasing. It seems like a lot of cable channels realize now that it was a gravy train for decades when, when 130, 150 million Americans were paying a monthly cable bill right. because that was the easiest way to get most mainstream entertainment directly mm-hmm. to you. Now with streaming services and the internet and, and different forms of competition, and you have... 60 to 70 million Americans paying a monthly cable bill instead, and that number dropping every single month and every single year, it's going to cause difficult decisions at places like ESPN and Fox. And I do think it's part of the reason there, there hasn't already been a deal for nine SEC conference, you know, nine SEC games every year. And, and ESPN, you know, is, is a little, they're a little reluctant to make deals that they used to be making. Uh, they, used, they used to be making uh, without without much hesitation at ESPN. So so we'll see what happens. You know, the next couple of years. But that that streaming, you know, that that pivot to streaming by the sports services is, uh, you know, it, it's it's really something to uh, it's something to watch out for. They will lose some folks. There will be some folks that will say enough's enough. I'm done with the streaming services. 
Now, I, I, will it be enough that they regret their decision? Probably not. But um, I, I think I think they've lost some folks now, and I think they will lose some folks in the future if they go to a, nothing but a streaming service for for these. I, I think some folks are just going to say, I've, I've, "I've had enough." I imagine it wouldn't mean nothing like they would want to keep providing the the content on the cable channels. As well, this would be sort of an alt for people who aren't paying. For the time being, at least yeah. to start. For people who aren't paying a monthly cable bill, if they still want access to these channels, this is a right. th- this is a streaming service to offer it. But I, I do wonder if the economics will ultimately work out for uh, for, for something like that. And, and if, you know, that could have wide-ranging repercussions oh, this, because, this, because the rights fees are floating. A lot of the mm-hmm. professional sports leagues and, and college sports leagues uh, that, have, uh, that, 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 that exist in America. Well, that's why you've got a situation, too, right now with the SEC and the Big Ten that are going to uh, um, recommend – what do they call What do they call the group that they are forming? They're, they're a, uh, an advisory committee, I believe, is what the SEC and the Big Ten are forming. Call it what you want, but they're getting together, that's for certain. They're the big two. They're sure. the, the power two. That's right. I mean, we've gone from the, uh, uh, you know – Five from five conferences to, to if you're not in the SEC or Big Ten, uh, you're you're just hanging on right now. And we and we know. I mean, we think we know what the college football playoff will look like. You know, through the remainder of that contract that they just signed with ESPN. But if groups make, if groups make decisions that sort of supersede that, then then maybe we don't know what the. I mean, I've, I've always wondered how you know how that now that we've seen conference realignment impact a couple of conferences very significantly is there still the same appetite to include six conferences in every college football playoff or or guarantee spots for because that was a that was a oh, that was a big that was a big big part that of was this a, current that was a upcoming deal yeah, they, when yes. they were growing the college football playoff mm-hmm. oh it, you, you had to include uh, you know at least one team from all of the and it, you know, that was that was back when they the were the highest ranked group of five. You're going to have the power five champs and the highest ranked group of five is what you were going to have. Yeah, and I just wonder, you know, how long how long that sustains with uh, uh, if if there are two conferences that feel they are significantly better than the rest of the field in college football. Uh, that's 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 one of the things that'll be very interesting to uh, to follow. Andy, I'd love your thoughts on something else that we have seen. Um, much more recently, and that is um, more and more college coaches. We saw it in basketball a couple of years ago. You see it now with Nick Saban retiring, with uh, Boston College losing its head coach to the NFL as a coordinator. You're seeing the this situation with, uh, NI, I believe it's a combination of NIL and the transfer portal and just the lack of time that college coaches have for themselves and their families to uh, to to look even more yeah. at moving to the professional well, level. Well, it's something that Hugh Freeze has talked about since the end of the season, and he talked about it a great deal in December about mm-hmm. how long the transfer portal window is open, how little time it gives you, how how you have to try and plan for a kind of a moving target uh, with regard to your recruits, and you've talked about this quite a bit on this show, Bill, and now that we're seeing these coaches, we, we see the head coach of Boston College lead to become a coordinator in the NFL. We, we saw Alabama's proposed offensive coordinator leave to go to the Seattle Seahawks. And offensive line coach. Right. And, you know, 
I, I don't think that's the last time we're going to see that. And, and I think one of the reasons, deep down, is the fact that if you're a college coach right now, what time do you have for a life? Right. At or anything point? other. Because of the recruiting never, ever ends anymore. Yeah, it can be a dead period. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, you better and, you better not be dead during that no, period, or you could be. No, <laughs> and and if if you are, you're behind the times. Absolutely. At that point, uh, it's something that must be addressed. I think, or we will continue to see exoduses and exodus of these college coaches that get their opportunities to go to the NFL just because of better quality of life. Dan, I, I it, have, may, it may not be more money. Um, yeah, no, you're right. But but there there have been not not that I mean everything you said is is valid and accurate, Andy. There there have also been kind of shocking moves within college football. Yeah, I wanted to get this, your this, thoughts. You you with your UCLA degree on oh, Chip on Chip yeah. Kelly leaving UCLA to be offensive coordinator at Ohio State. It makes me wonder how welcome he was at UCLA. I don't think he was welcome at all. Yeah, it makes me wonder. I think that's part of it. I think think there was also, there were sort of buzzards circling with the belief that the team had taken a step back roster-wise. I mean, his his, his name was one of those that was being named on the hot seat immediately for next season. After he had a better three-year run than than they'd had in a few years. And what a a parachute, right, to to be able to jump to Columbus and be the new offense coordinator for Ryan Day. Ryan Day played for Chip Kelly in college football years ago at UNH. So, I mean, they they have a connection that dates back decades. And I think if you you take some of the other – trying to think of a comparison, Dan Mullen maybe – as far as if you take some of the roster management elements away and you just say, here is, a, here is a roster of top-tier players. Put them in a position to win as a, as a play caller and as someone who develops a philosophy offensively. I think Chip Kelly would be you know, among the top guys in college football to do something like that. And so maybe, maybe he's something that Ohio State is missing for UCLA, maybe it was time for a free start. I, I, I think it's a great pickup for Ohio State. Well, I, I do too. I, I don't have any doubts about that. And if and if it was running, if it was right. if if time was coming to a close at UCLA to get a fresh start and for Deshaun Foster to uh, to come in, I think it's a uh, it's it's a it, it was the timing is strange. Yeah, it and is. well, I think the head think, coach jumped to a coordinator within the same you know within the same, same conference, conference is is unusual, but. You know, all told, it, it does feel like the rare, the the rare series of moves where everyone wins. Like I, I don't know who is is necessarily filled with regret right we're, now. We're, we are in a day and age now, where we will look back and go, "Wow, I never thought we would see that." We I, who would ever think that the UCLA head coach would go to Ohio State as a coordinator? Well, we also never thought that we would be in a day and age where student athletes would be legally paid above board. And be or their able, name, and be image, able. name, image, and likeness, and students could transfer here and there. We also every did, year. Did yes. we? Did we ever think we'd be in an age where we're talking about UCLA and Ohio State as being in the no, same? Of course no, not. No, 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 absolutely. No. I mean, but that, never. I'm just saying that list continues to grow of things we never thought we would see, and it's now becoming more commonplace. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. I think Chip Kelly wanted. I think Chip Kelly wanted a a, a job in the NFL. Uh, there wasn't one there. That became a great opportunity for him at Ohio State. And if they, as they probably should, uh, have have a great offense this year, that won't hurt his 
hurt hurt uh, an opportunity for him. And to it move looks on. like it looks like Alabama has an offensive coordinator, right? It looks like Nick they Sheridan, named, I believe, their tight end coach. Yeah, Nick Sheridan looks like he's being promoted from yes. within the staff. Someone asked me after the show last night, and this had not occurred to me. I was like, if 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 Kalen DeBoer had had inquired about Billy Napier as his offensive coordinator, like who's I mean, is, is it is it not a similar situation uh, as to at, yeah. fl- at Florida <laughs> there might be an appetite for a change if Napier like it's an interest and it's the same you would you would never think that no, the, that the no, you're you know, right that the UCLA head coach would jump to a job like that or you'd talk about the Florida head coach being considered for a uh, for a coordinator spot but at the same time you know you do wonder if. Uh, if, if it's one of those moves where, where it makes sense for all parties involved. But Alabama promoting from within with someone who's familiar with DeBoer also mm-hmm. makes a right. lot of sense based on, uh, based on what they've done thus far. All right, we'll get to our final break of hour number one, our final, <coughs> final segment with Andy Burcham. I'd uh, love for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. It's time to start it on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Well, I I, I spoke too soon, didn't check with Andy. Andy uh, needed to leave. He and his he and his uh, beautiful bride are going to head over and uh, check out. Uh, they're going to go to the Googe and check out uh, check out To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, touring company of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Did not realize till Andy told us that uh, Richard Thomas, John Boy, John Boy, is and, by the, uh, and he's there worked, in the lead he's, as Atticus. Finch. He's worked a lot since the Waltons to the point where we probably shouldn't just call him John Boy. Uh, right? Yeah, but I mostly hear him in voiceovers. Sure. Although you saw you watched Ozark, right? Yes, he was, I did. He was, he was on. Yes, uh, I did. He was on Ozark, and he was also. Uh, I did not watch the Americans, but I'm told he was. Uh, no, I told, I'm, told, I'm told he was very good on the on the Americans as well as one of the uh, as one of the FBI agents. But yeah, he's he's part of the touring company uh, playing Atticus Finch mm-hmm. in uh, in To Kill a Mockingbird, and uh, yeah, I've heard heard nothing but good things about that show. So if you get the chance, uh, check it out. That's what Andy and uh, and, and the misses are doing tonight. Yep. Uh, so uh, so we don't have Andy with us here for the final few minutes of hour number one, but we do have. Phone calls. Who do we have up first, Drew? Jeff. Jeff is up first. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing fine. Good. I'm sorry, Miss Andy. I actually had a question for him. I didn't know he was leaving. But I, I knew that that would be the case. As soon as I said he'd be back and he said, guys, I got to run, and the phone lit okay. up, I said, I bet that's a call for Andy. That's fine. But my question for him, maybe you all could chime in. Uh, my question was going to be him. What is it that he sees? from home to road that's not translating with the basketball team because I noticed and I listen to his call uh, every game. I mute my TV, believe it or not, right. and listen to his call. But in the first five minutes, I could tell the energy is not there. I don't know, is that coaching from Bruce and the staff? Because it's very frustrating to watch this team on the road. There's no reason that we're sky high at home and on the road, there's absolute no energy. I don't know if that's just lack of uh, preparation. Do the coaches push them on the road to, to stress that? It's very frustrating to watch this team on the road to struggle in the first five minutes of every game. It's hard to argue with that, Jeff. I mean, I'm trying to think Arkansas is probably the only game 
that I can recall on the road where Auburn came out and looked yeah. like they had as much energy as the opponent. The other games, even the ones they've won, they have, uh, you know, sort of um, been slow starts and, and really had to, uh, had to kick it in after, after a sluggish start. Yeah, I, Coach Bruce, love him. But sometimes you can't live for those TV timeouts. If you know your team, if we're not having any energy, we have to stop that momentum. Florida was just sky high. Oh, yeah. Day. That was unbelievable. And we did nothing to stop that momentum. And sometimes you just got to use the timeout just to slow them down. And it's frustrating to watch us on the road struggle like that because at some point that's going to come back to bite us. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that along with the fact that, I mean, it's it's a fact. I mean, Auburn has really struggled to shoot the ball away from yeah. home. Great yeah, stuff, no, Jeff. I, I'll tell you what, okay, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, we have to get to our top-of-the-hour break. If you want to continue, we'd be glad to have you hang on. No, but, I'm good. I'll check back tomorrow, guys. All right, Jeff, take, uh, take care. Good stuff, Jeff. We're halfway done. Don't forget an interview with Butch Thompson coming up. We'll run that around uh, 510 or so. Uh, So we've got room for you when we come back for hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here on this uh, Tuesday as we head into hour number two of the Drive and the second hour of the show, as usual, brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika. We're about to head to the Drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. That number for you to get through, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-321-1390. The, uh, the, the, that's the phone number, 321-564-1840 is your text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. And let's go ahead and get to the uh, drive hotline. Inspector is up first. Hey, Spectre. Hey, uh, I just wanted to continue Jeff's conversation. You know, I brought this up to y'all before about how no energy at all with Auburn the first five minutes of the of the game and the first five minutes of the second half. Yeah, and it's not the first time. You're right. Yeah, and you know, of course, the Florida game and it was none at all. <laughs> I don't. It never woke up from that. But yeah, I've noticed that recently. Well, I mean, I noticed it some last year, but last year it was more in the second half. Our, our the last, I tell you, let me start over. Last year was more the last four or five minutes of each half, and this year it seems like it's went over to the first five minutes of each half. But it's not every game, but it's more more games than it should be. It's most of the games on the road. Yes, exactly, and it, and it shouldn't be that way. I, you know, Auburn goes through the same schedule workout and all that as all these other teams do. I don't see that as a chronic thing with other teams in the SEC. But for some reason it's with ours. And I don't know if it's some kind of 
voodoo thing, or I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's only Auburn. I, I've seen that with quite a few teams. It seems like the road is just a bigger challenge than that it's ever been for, for multiple teams. I mean, um, South Carolina has really sort of been the exception in the conference this year. Most teams seem to get off to slow starts on the road. Yeah, you know, it, it just separates the champions from the ones that aren't champions, I guess. It, it, it's just the caliber of play. If, if you're dedicated to play, you're actually going to put your head in the game right away from the, the drop of the ball. It's, you're you're going to be in the game. But for some reason, it, it, it's not – well, the guards are really bad so far the last couple of games. I don't know what's going on with that. But uh, you've got a guard that's playing at the top of his game, which is a senior, and, and um, I don't know what's happening with our two two freshmen. I just don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, well, freshmen and sophomore, that's your point guards. That's the most inexperienced area that Auburn has is at point guard. Um, but, yeah, but, uh, yeah Trey, Trey had an off game. I mean, he'd been playing much better, did not play nearly as well the other day, and Aiden's just in a slump. There's no question about it. Hey, uh, Dan, are you going to be gone for the rest of the week, or no? I'm I'm here. We got we got a game Thursday, uh, but I'll, but I'll be here. Uh, I'll be here Wednesday and Friday. Okay, well, all right. I just wanted to add that on to Jeff's conversation. Yeah, he yeah. Ain't the only one. He ain't the only one that's noticed it. Oh no, you're absolutely right about that, Specter. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate the call, Specter. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're gonna get. Now, not just yet, but, I mean, we're going to take an early break here in hour number one because Dan and I had the chance to talk with Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson earlier today. We want to run that. Don't forget, coming up at the bottom of the hour, it's our regular visit with Jake Crane of Crane & Company. So we'll talk with him, get his thoughts on the the Super Bowl and uh, the state of college athletics as we uh, as we normally do. If you've got something you'd like us to ask Jake, you can uh, you can call in or you can text us. We, we probably can go ahead and take the break a little bit. Earlier. Yeah, well, I was I was going to stretch for I was going to stretch for a minute or so is what I was going to do since we don't have a call. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that because want to be able to run that entire interview with Butch, then get to Jake on our regular time. So we'll get to our first break of hour number two. Stick with us when we come back. Our uh, conversation with Auburn coach Butch Thompson. Born and raised in. Welcome back into the drive. We're very pleased to be joined by Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson. Coach, how are you doing today? Man, I'm great. War Eagle to everybody. Bill, Dan, good to be with you. Oh, it is It is great. It's great to look outside, see the sun shining. I know it may be a little cool, but that's the way it always is at the start of baseball season. <laughs> well, you never know this time of year. I know the, the creeks were out of the banks yesterday, but we got a beautiful day. And if it's, if it's a bad day this time of year, just wait till tomorrow to get better. Oh, no, no question about it. Uh, before we get into uh, – there's so many folks that, that are so excited, can't wait to get over to uh, to, to Plainsman Park and, and see some of the renovations. I know it's still a work in progress, but you've got to be really, really excited about everything that's going on with the facilities. I am. We've, you know, everybody's work. You know, our leadership at the university is absolutely – for eight years it took us to get to this point. Um, people that have invested – uh, our players have been waiting, um, so it's exciting. Now, this 2024 season is going to be an appetizer, um, and we'll be under construction all year, uh, especially down Donahue Drive. You know, we've altered the, the drive a little bit there, and 
still got your two-lane road, but, you know, for this season, that entire first base club level will be going up under construction. But we're happy to announce the appetizer this year is the Hall of Fame Club that will open in honor of Frank Thomas. And it looks amazing. It's exceeded our expectations. And we're going to sell it single game by single game this year, which means it'll we'll wait the ticket that for the entire season for next year. So, Hopefully people get an opportunity to experience that this year. That was kind of the desire and the hope. And then I think at the beginning of next year, you know, we'll have two or three more premium spots that will come online. So we're excited for the appetizer, and I think it will give everybody a forecast and a preview of the amazing things that are, that are to come at Plainsland Park. How you doing, Butch Dan? Here, uh, good. thanks for uh, thanks yeah. for making some time for us. I, I'd love to know, you know, what's it like working uh, with and and for a baseball guy like John Cohen, and, and how that has uh, <laughs> has impacted the, the last couple of uh, of seasons. Well, it was day to day, right? So seven years, you know, being somebody's pitching coach, you're kind of at it every day together. This is a different relationship now, you know, eight years later and hooking it up again. But uh, you know, those principles are in place for me as far as. I trust John. I believe in John. I think he's going to be amazing for Auburn. Uh, but I just don't see him day to day like I did in the past life, I guess. But I just know how creative, how bright he is, how intelligent. Um, and and I, people are going to see how competitive that he is. And I, I know that he didn't have to wait and evaluate for a year to know what to do by already being in our league for a long period of time and being at multiple campuses in our league through his career that he was able to hit the ground running. So I think we're going to see some fruit of the labor really, really soon because bringing somebody in with that acumen and, and that experience already in our league. And I think you'll you'll see him make a huge difference. And, you know, now he's got to pay attention to our 15 head coaches and every sport that represents Auburn. And I think he's doing an amazing job. And I know he is hitting the ground fast. So I don't see him as much as I would like, uh, you know, from that past relationship. But I know he's out trying to make every move every day to, to benefit Auburn. And, you know, there is a passion and a love for baseball. And I could already see it in the design because he's designed, you know, one of our premier uh, stadiums in college baseball. And he's lending every bit of that experience that he went through to help make some tweaks that have absolutely enhanced this Plainsland Park project. So I'm, I'm thankful for him and, and Red Hobart, who was at Wake Forest in Mississippi State and was a student at Mississippi State, was the SGA president when I was there. He's now our, you know, our baseball administrator. And uh, so those two guys, what John brought and bringing in Rhett is another piece that is absolutely helping, you know, baseball to be able to grow and be the best it can be. Speaking of of relationships, though, I mean, the staff that you have and the guys you see on a day-to-day basis, uh, Scott Foxhall back at Auburn uh, to go along with with Carl and Gabe, who've been with you for a while uh, it, it's great. Uh, just just talk about having guys that, that you know so well and that know Auburn so well here on the staff. Yeah, well, do, you know, people throw around the word development, and it's crucial. And if you're really going to do that, you got to have guys that have probably walked to the highest level. You've had guys that have had success, and we have that. I think this is the most complete staff I've been a part of in my – this will be year 23 in the Southeastern Conference. And wow. And been a part of some great staff, but – you know, we have two former major league players on our staff. When you think of Everett Tiefert, our new pitching coach, when you think of Gabe Gross, who played in the World Series, and then believe this, we have three former national assistant coaches of the year on our staff. So you bring Scott Foxall, a national champion, uh, a, a college pitching coach that has done so well, and he comes to our 
uh, staff is player development. He was the 2021 National Assistant Coach of the Year. And then Carl Nunnemaker and Gabe Gross, we named them associate head coaches. Uh, it took me too long to do that, you know, but they're in year seven with us. And they absolutely deserve that because you know, I feel like they're a couple of the best guys in the country. I think these are guys that the industry should be looking at as head coaches. It was done for me. John did that for me at Mississippi State, and that afforded me the opportunity of a lifetime to come to Auburn. So we have put, you know, Gabe and Carl as associate head coaches because that's how much control they have over our lineup and over our, our development day-to-day with our team and how much I believe in them. Carl was the 2022 National Assistant Coach of the Year, and, you know, I got it. It seemed like last century uh, to make the third guy on the staff. But I love our coaching staff, and it even bleeds into our trainer, Anthony Sanderson, one of the best in the country, has been added a long time, a veteran. And, and really, Chris Jordan, our strength conditioning coach, the only job he did before coming to Auburn was, you know, he was in the big leagues for eight consecutive years, not in the minors, but in the big leagues with uh, both Toronto and Milwaukee. Uh, two cents to four years apiece. So our staff's pretty complete. It's taken a long time to put this staff together. And as I look back over my career, I've never been surrounded with a better group of men to lead our players. You mentioned uh, Everett Tiford, uh, the, the your new pitching coach. Talk about what Tief brings. He was. Uh, we had a chance to talk with him the other day, a little bit about some of the analytics and the, the Kinetrack. Just talk a little bit about the some of the, the new insights and technology that he's bringing. Yeah, well, you know, you, you get somebody that – there was a few things that really stimulated me about Everett. Number one, you know, I say he has a PhD. He's poor, hungry, and driven. So his whole career, he's been told he couldn't do something, and he finds his way to Georgia Southern instead of a Power Five, and then he finds him way, himself to the big leagues, you know, as a pitcher. So he is, he's a fighter, and he's a climber. Uh, the second thing is, and this will be funny, this Kenetrax and all this technology that we have now, me being an old pitching coach. And, um, you know, when I got out of the track, man, we had a handle on it. And just since I've been a coach here for eight years as a head coach, it's amazing the technology did not stop. So we have a Kenetrax, and he's the one guy that can plug it in the wall and use it. So we, we, we can't even do any of the features of, of what this stuff and the power of it uh, that exists today. So, you know, he does that. He's been running a 100 minor league pitchers and helping them develop and get to the big leagues. So I really think, you know, the combination of Scott Foxall and Everett Tiford blend all these worlds together with us and get us caught up in technology. I don't know if you saw on the website, but Adam Nebel is our new sports science guy. He's a Ph.D. candidate from kinesiology. He's been hired on the staff full time. And then we've got 21 sophomore software engineers here on campus that instead of maybe doing a hypothetical study or whatever they're doing as far as their school, they're absolutely, you know, 21 computers open with our students helping us be the best baseball program we could be. And that's what Everett Tiefer's done for us. We probably wouldn't have that sports science position this year if it was not for Tiefer. And I definitely wouldn't have this connection now. When our baseball program can connect cross campus, imagine all these amazing engineering students and really all branches of campus, and to connect them to our baseball program and them to be part of, you know, like a senior study. These are all seniors, and they're absolutely going to be able to have an impact on our program. Uh, I think that's the neatest thing ever, and I have to give Tiford credit for all this technology that we're trying to bring to our program, disseminate, and get down to our players, 
and for him to bring these people to connect campus and bring in this new position. I just, I think that's a glimpse of the power of what he's potentially can do as our pitching coach. We're, we're both big advocates of the college of engineering here at uh here, here at the drive yep. as well. And, uh, <laughs> that's right. and you know, and, and I know president Roberts is a fan of that department of the, uh, of, of the, of the university as well. So that's a, uh, that, that, that's a really, uh, that, that's really fascinating stuff. L- looking at, looking at this year's team, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, there's, there's a, there, there are so many storylines that, that you could, you could focus on. It's hard not to root for Joseph Gonzalez, coach. After after the off season and after the season, he just went through. Uh, what, what can you tell us about uh, you know how, how he's looking uh, with, with the season uh, days away? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to talk money and options and stuff like that, but part of his story is that he didn't jump ship on Auburn, um, getting him a surgery, getting him restored. Then we had a July draft and. You know, this guy can leave for six figures, half a million, whatever you want to call it, and go ahead and start his pro career and just say, man, college didn't didn't pan out. He wants an Auburn degree. He believes in this place and absolutely made a decision to come back. So he's, he's we feel like he's fully restored. I think he may be, need a few weeks to round out and really get that sinker thinking again and, and get everything set and lay those tracks. He hadn't pitched since opening day of last year, so there has to be some understanding with, with all of us heading into this season, but he gets every resource. He gets every ounce of energy of what I can bring and help him along with his coaching staff and his teammates because he has absolutely stood in the gap for Auburn and stayed, and I want him to get the world. So (laughs) if I could write the script, I would, but, you know, what I can control is trying to give him every resource because he has chosen to be here and wanted to come back for another year and pursue that degree. And, and believe this is his best route to continue his baseball future. So I love all of that for Joseph, and we're all behind him to, to go out there and, and have that year that he wanted to have last year. And, you know, he stayed in the fight. I want him rewarded for that. One of the things, when, when I look at this roster, uh, it, it just appears you, you, you have a more depth than, uh, than I can recall to work with throughout, especially the pitching staff, when you got 80% of – of the innings back from last year, and Joseph only threw five. You've got quite a few options. Then you bring in some young arms as well. I mean, this is a great situation, and I know here early on you want to get a look at as as many guys as you can possible. Yeah, and just where the buildup is with the pitching staff, earlier in the year you you were forced to throw more guys. Uh, So I think that's a good thing. The 80% of innings returning I think is positive. I do think top to bottom we have more depth than we've ever had going into a season. And uh, with a healthy roster, now I'm, I'm saying it on my desk right now. Right. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about our health and the depth that we have. Uh, you know, the question mark for this staff, can Chase also pitch like a number one? Can okay. Joseph Gonzalez pitch like a rotation guy? Can Carson Myers, who's getting the ball first here this weekend on Sunday, can he? Can they pitch like <clears throat> top-flight rotations in our league? That's what remains to be seen. And then positionally, you know, we had like a Bryson Ware and a Cole Foster, that left side of the infield, and that Nate LaRue. We can, can we really fill those spots with the guys that are going to play it this year? Those are our questions. But there's no doubt that, you know, when you have 80% of your innings back, there's some confidence in that. And you just, you know, I just, our SEC coaches, you know, I, I, I want to make sure before I get off, you know, Ike Irish and Bobby Pierce, when you're absolutely the head coaches in this league, put you on a first and second team preseason that's a big deal those guys and a few other ones are gonna have to have to lead us and then 
you know, Alsop and Joseph, they're going to have to answer that question. Are they ready to really be frontline SEC pitching pitchers for us and lead us? Because I do think we have, you know, some good confidence in the depth that the staff presents. Gabe the other day was just talking about pop up and down the lineup that, uh, you know, you may not have somebody that just jumps out at you as a 20 homer guy, but, but Bobby appears to really be driving the ball a little bit better early on. And uh, Gabe was just talking about having different players up and down the lineup that he feels like can drive the ball. You know, it's exciting. I, I just, you know, I believe in Ike. Every at bat, every pitch that crosses his eyes is personal. And what a great gift. I wish you could get that top to bottom at that same level of just, it's personal. Every ball thrown his way. He is, I've never seen him give a bat away. Seen him get out, you know, this game and, and how it's built, but I've never seen it not be personal in him trying to have an at bat. I think Bobby's primed. I think he is further along than he's been his entire career. Heck, if you think about it, with all these players, um, this time last year, I didn't know if Bryson Ware would get 10 at-bats or 100 at-bats, and he wound up hit more home runs in a single season than anyone ever. That's what's exciting. Like, who's going to be that guy to to really take off and, and gel for us? And we've had that. It's been amazing, and I, I hope we have it again, and I'm looking looking forward to it. But, you know, can I catch – that's another one. Cooper McMurray, I think he's primed at first base now that he's had a year under his belt going through the Southeastern Conference and his preseason at-bats. And Bobby's preseason at-bats have been spectacular. But, you know, we're going to need like a, a Cooper Weiss at shortstop, the Miami of Ohio transfer. It looks like he can play every day. We, we have some confidence in him. Made two errors last year. Um, goodness, hit 12 home runs, stole over 20 bags. We think he's a good player that can step in at short and fill some big shoes. And then, you know, Fabian from Florida, Derek Fabian, Zayvon um, Hernandez from Jacksonville State. You know, we think they're good baseball players with a ton of experience. And, you know, we've, we've felt good about our outfield the whole time if you start going Pierce and, you know, Stanfield. It's kind of weird not looking out there and Kaysen Howell's not there since he wore, right. he wore the uniform more than anybody in history. But Chris Stanfield got to play a lot last year. And we're excited with all this crazy potential of talent that he has. And with a little bit of some good experience he got last year, is he ready to hold down center field? And then, you know, you can always play the hot bat in left field at Plainsman Park. Or, you know, Mason Maynard is a guy that sticks out to me that played really good in this preseason. Also from Jacksonville State, like Hernandez. And these two guys have played some good baseball. They've been right in the middle of it, and it looks like they're going to be right in the middle of our world as well. Any uh, any non-conference uh, matchups that, that that really stand out to you as uh, as as tests for this team? Any anything that really uh, jumps out? Yeah, all of them. Is the <laughs> uh, you know, D one baseball put out last week, and I want people to to measure. You know, are we trying to be twenty and zero? The last three four years, we've tried to schedule up compared to our first three or four years because we thought we were disappointed. We thought we could have grabbed a regional host site about year four or so, and we had to go to North Carolina State, and et cetera. <clears throat> and the feedback I got was we it's just the schedule's got to get tougher, and you've got to go on the road more. So I probably overcooked it a little bit this year. I think that's good to mention right here with you guys, with all the listeners that care about our program, that you know we're going to play 33 quad one games. They're using quad one even for baseball now, and we're going to have the toughest overall schedule in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, so that's going to build and sharpen and test our team like crazy. So um, any Division One team we know in the sport of baseball that can wear you out any single day, 
Uh, so we have to be ready for that because our sport's a little bit different. The second weekend in Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville yeah. is going to be amazing. Uh, Virginia's a team that's dreaming about Omaha. Wichita State's a storied program. We're going to play Iowa the first game of that tournament. And all we're going to see is the Big Ten preseason pitcher of the year that's going to throw 101 miles per hour. So we're going to have to buckle our chin strap early and then come back with, you know, back home that third weekend here at Plainsman Park at UConn. We're going to have to be playing great baseball. They're tacticians. They were in Florida's regional last year in 2022 when we went to Omaha. They got to a game three with Stanford. Uh, we eventually had to play Stanford there. So <laughs> that's a pretty quality non-conference opponent coming in for a weekend. Air Force, we'll get to honor those guys coming in with a double midweek and Georgia Tech home and away. And before you know it, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I have overdone this schedule. But it helps us. We've never hosted a regional back-to-back years in the history of our program. So we're trying to play up and we got to step up. And But we're going to be tested pretty much every week of this schedule, not just with those 10 weekends of SEC play. We're going to be tested 12 13 weekends it's going to take our best baseball to be competitive but you know what if you the, the best way you score in bull riding is you ride the meanest rankest bull because they buck the most and you can score the most if you if you keep riding bulls that don't buck it's really hard to score so that's that's kind of our mindset going into this season we love a good bull riding analogy we may, we may steal that <laughs> on the uh, on, on the show to explain that's an ambitious it's an ambitious schedule but you're right coach it could really pay uh, it could pay dividends down the yeah. line yeah, we just got to keep our wits about us, and and I think it just keeps challenges to, to, to keep being our best. You know, John Wooden says, true success comes by effort and process, not results. And and this effort and this process, what it's going to take to play this schedule, could make an amazing team if we can absolutely keep our wits about us. Butch, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. And, of course, everything gets started. Eastern Kentucky, before UAB comes in on Tuesday night, folks, with the opportunities saw that uh, there's still some opportunities for folks to be able to get the add-ons for the Hall of Fame club as well. So I'd encourage people to do that. And we're excited. We're really excited to have, you know, all the uh, the, Auburn, so the Auburn sports broadcast back with us here on the Auburn Network. And uh, I can't wait for the season, Butch. It's going to be a blast. And like I said, just, I'm, you know, that Hall of Fame club, you got to come try it out. We got a, a 200-pound you know, kind of a carbon copy bus of the Hall of Fame deal. We've got it's the Chicago Steakhouse type feel in there. The Diamond Dolls have an old, you know, with chalk. They're going to be right in the starting lineup on both sides. It's going to be an amazing feel and experience that we've never gotten before here. You know, when we built this park in the late 90s, it was the best in college baseball. Now this iteration just absolutely going to tie it to the experiences that you maybe get in basketball, maybe you get in football. We're bringing that to playing some park and here over this next year or so, this appetizer of the Hall of Fame Club is going to excite everyone. Coach, we really appreciate your time, and, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. Sounds great, man. Thank you, Oregon. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio, Drew at the controls, and we're going to head to the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. And welcome in our good friend from Crane & Company, that's Jake Crane. Jake, how you doing today? Man, doing great, Bill. Uh, excited for uh, what we got coming down the pipe in college basketball. Now a little uh, college baseball coming as well. It's, uh, it's a good time. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. There, there's so much going on. Just uh, wrapped up the professional football season with the Super Bowl uh, just uh, a couple of days ago. A game that wasn't the most exciting early on, but hey, I've, I've got to give it uh, thumbs up pretty much for game, halftime, and commercials. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't disappointed, let me put it that way, in any of the three. No, look, I mean, it, you know, it was kind of sloppy for the first uh, mm-hmm. two and a half quarters. Uh, you kind of got two different games, but, you know, once the offense had settled in, and, and obviously there were some plays at the end with the drop punt uh, that led to the Chiefs' touchdown, but but I thought it delivered at the end. Any Super Bowl that comes down to the last play like that in a game that goes into overtime and, you know, almost for the first time, you know, that, that I've ever seen a, a double overtime in the NFL uh, it delivered, and, and look, man, I mean, what Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and those guys are doing, uh, it's incredible. Jake, uh, now, uh, I, I mean, we, we all follow we all follow uh, sports football very closely. Did you know the, the NFL overtime rules for the uh, Super Bowl? I did not. Yeah, 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 I, I actually did. My biggest question was, you know, how does it work if the clock runs mm. out and there hasn't been two full possessions? Yeah. You know, do you go to a five-minute period or is it back to a 10-minute period? Uh, but it would have gone to a, another 10-minute uh, period. That was the only question I had because, remember, the rules got changed with the uh, the Josh Allen-Patrick uh, Mahomes game in Kansas City that went to overtime, that back and forth. Uh, they changed it just for the postseason, and, for, Not, and, and it, it doesn't apply during the regular season. And Jake, for such a long time, you know, the NFL conventional wisdom was, well, if you win the toss in overtime, you want the ball. Take the ball. I yeah. do wonder if the extra wrinkle of both teams being guaranteed a possession. I wonder if that changes the thinking a little bit. Now, now maybe there is some upside to deferring when you win the toss in overtime of an NFL playoff game. Now, there's still a benefit to getting the ball first because if both teams score, you'll then have the first possession in the true sudden death version of overtime. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on the team that gets the ball first to advance the ball, hopefully score, and certainly avoid a three and out that puts the other team in a great position. Yeah, well, look, if if the obvious thing to do in, in you know, college football is if you win the toss, go on defense, and that team gets to start from basically the red zone, then, of course, if you win the toss in overtime, uh, deferring is, is the way to go when the other team has to literally take uh, a kickoff so they could start at their own 25. It, uh, it only makes sense. But, yeah, I, I mean, look, it was a circumstance that, you know, we really haven't seen yet. I didn't have a problem with it. And, look, at the end of the day, you either make the plays or you don't. San Francisco had a chance inside the 10-yard line yep. to score a touchdown to put the pressure on the Chiefs. Uh, and, look, you make an extra point, you win the game. You don't fumble a punt, you probably win the game. I mean, they, you know, you got a turnover starting to, uh, out of the second half at midfield and, and wasn't able to do, any, uh, do anything with it. So you had ample opportunities. Oh, you're you're absolutely right about that. So there's, uh, but I mean, it's it's always fun, you know. People do the the what if and things like that. But what a what a great uh, time it is right now with so many things going on. I mean, you mentioned. I mean, we've got uh, college basketball. It is it is you know starting to come down the stretch as we're into the second half of conference play, and it is it is crazy. We're seeing teams stumble, not stumble, we're seeing teams get blasted more on the road than I've ever seen. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the, the parody feels like it's at an all-time high, right? I guess you can maybe say that UConn has is, is kind of separated themselves a little bit. I, I still don't trust Purdue with their guard play, but uh, anybody can beat anybody nowadays, and no, nobody can win on the road, really. I mean, if you win a game on a road against a team that is pretty good, it's it's got a pulse. surprising. I, I just watched Kansas. You know, I think they're like one in five in road games against ranked teams. They got destroyed. Uh, by Texas Tech last night. Obviously, Auburn got routed by Florida, but Tennessee goes and gets beat to death by A&M. But that's everywhere. Yeah. That's in the Big 12. It's in the ACC, right? It's it's in the Big 10. It's all over college basketball. And, look, I, I love it. I think that's what's going to make March Madness even more mad this year. And I think there are folks still looking at South Carolina with some skepticism. I know that the odds for South Carolina to win the SEC regular season aren't as strong as Auburn, Alabama, or Tennessee. Uh, but this is a remarkable, a remarkable run that the Gamecocks are on. Team that was yeah. picked to finish last in the conference in the preseason. Lamont Paris has them in first place going into uh, this uh, this week of games. Granted, they have to go on the road to Neville Arena uh, to stay in first place, but. Uh, how is uh, how's he doing this? What what is uh, what stands out to you about what South Carolina is doing, Jake? Well, look, uh, I, I think in, and this a reason I think they can make a run in the tournament is I don't think you have to be an unbelievably elite team to be able to go far in March this year. I think a lot of it is is can you control the pace and how good do you play defense? Because shooting comes and goes, and people forget these games in the postseason. After the regular season, they're not played at home or at somebody else's crib. It's a neutral court. So uh, being able to to play defense and rebound and the depth you have and limiting turnovers and free throw shooting, all the small things, South Carolina does that really well. But I think the thing, and and in some ways they're similar to Auburn, in, in the way of they don't have the elite, elite player. They have a bunch of really good players who understand what their role is on the team. And when you do that, you can find multiple ways to win. Plus, they play kind of a slow-down, grind-it-out style uh, that's tough for teams that want to get up and down to, to get up and down. Uh, but, you know, look, this Wednesday night, I mean, you're, you're, walking, you're walking into the jungle and, and not a lot of people walk out. So uh, it'd be a big one for Auburn, especially coming off that Florida loss, but I mean, Bill, if you can hold serve at home and steal a couple on the road, you got a chance down the stretch in this thing. Auburn is the only team in the SEC that has not lost at home. I, I mean, I hate to have just thrown that out now with South Carolina coming in, but, I mean, South Carolina already has wins in Lexington and in Knoxville. And then Bruce Pearl said today, and this, this is obvious, but, I mean, they can't afford to lose this one if they're going to stay in the race because they'd be two games back plus the tiebreaker behind South Carolina if they lose. I won't be surprised at all if two or even three teams are 14-4 and four at the end of the regular season sharing the SEC regular season championship. Maybe 13-5 maybe and five will end up getting you there, but I think you'd have to have a lot of – I mean, with, with Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, and South Carolina, you'd have to have a lot of losing by the top teams mm-hmm. in the league to get a 13-5 and five regular season champion. So I, I think that you could have and, – and there's actually a, a way – uh, w- without a ton of shocking upsets, there's a way to get Tennessee, Auburn, and Alabama all to 14 and four, and then you're figuring out how to break down the the tournament seating. Uh, but in the regular season championship, you'd have three teams all hosting a uh, all hosting a banner for a share of that regular season title, Jake. 
Yeah, well, look, when it, when it comes down to the log jam that, that's going to be at the end of this thing in, in the standings in the SEC, you know, to, to quote, you know, Congressman Marty Huggins, you better bring your brooms because it's a mess. I mean, who knows? Again, you've got to hold, hold serve at home. And if you look at Auburn's schedule, you get South Carolina at home, then you get Kentucky at home, which, by the way, man, Kentucky, just John Calipari, I'm telling you guys, it, uh, they don't do something in, in March. It's going to get a little bit interesting in the offseason up there. But if you win these two, if you're Auburn, you give yourself a chance. Uh, I'm trying to remember the road games. I know we got to go to Tennessee. Week off Georgia and Tennessee on the road after the, Georgia, after the open right, date. That George, there's your one. That's, that's, that's your one that's gettable because I know yeah. Bama, I think, still got to go to Kentucky as well. You got Missouri um, You got Missouri for Auburn the final week of the season, yep. too. That's the third road game, and, Missouri. And Re- really, you're at Missouri the final week of the season, Auburn is. Yeah, if you could beat Missouri and Georgia on the road and hold serve at home, you got a shot. You got a shot. Yeah, I think that would I think that would finish you. If Auburn if Auburn won out except for Knoxville, the rest of the way, I think they're sitting at fourteen and four. Well well then in that case, you know, you hope hopefully if, if it came down to it, you'd hold the tiebreaker over South Carolina. You wouldn't over Tennessee, but then South Carolina holds the tiebreaker over Tennessee and you hold it over South Carolina. So I d I don't know. I have no idea. Tennessee's got Well you, you, yeah, it, it, a, it, it it would be funny as far as the tournament's concerned, but the conference, you know, declares co champs, if that's the case. Tennessee would oh, need that's to true. Yeah. that's exactly yes. right. Yeah. Yes. That's the, exactly right. Every, didn't Auburn yes. and Alabama split it or was it Auburn and Tennessee? Auburn, Auburn and Tennessee. The, fir- the first that's year right. the first year Bruce won the regular season title, Auburn and Tennessee shared uh the regular season championship uh, a share even though Auburn beat Tennessee. And, and, and for Tennessee, yeah. if they were they they've got three conference losses now. Now Tennessee has road games at Alabama and at South Carolina. If they were to win both of them and win out Tennessee would be in a golden position. They deserve it. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, I mean, they'd be sitting there at fifteen and three, most likely the only fifteen and three team in the conference. They'd be your, your regular season champion if they split South Carolina and Alabama. You're talking about Tennessee maybe as a fourteen and four team as well. Uh, you know, and so, and so there, there, I, I would be. If you told me one team won the regular season title all by themselves, I would guess it's Tennessee. Based on the draw they have uh, left, I don't know. Alabama, would, Alabama at nine and two has got, got, a, got t- a decent. Tennessee shot. would have to win. They'd have to win the rest of their home games, including Auburn, and they'd have to win at South Carolina and at Alabama uh, to uh, to do that. I'm not yeah. sure if they're going to, but uh, that's a. Uh, uh, let, let me ask you this, Jake: Is there a team in the SEC that stands out to you as a really dangerous postseason team this year? Is is there one that you feel is really, uh, you know, ha- has the characteristics of a team that can make a run? Um, there's actually two, uh, and, and they're kind of on the periphery. The first one is Florida because they got a little bit of everything, and they mm-hmm. got old guards, mm-hmm. and I trust old guards in March. Uh, defensively, they continue to get better throughout the year. They got big guys that can run. Um, I think they can win a rock fight, and I think they can win a high-scoring game. You know, they're not soft. They're not just finesse, finesse and fast. That They're able to play defense. And then I look at a team like Ole Miss. Right, and, and you're going to have to get a lot from you know that seven foot five monster they have, the the sharp kid, the Western Kentucky transfer, I believe. Uh, and then they've got another big, but you got Alan Flanagan, a guy with experience. Uh, you've got a guy like Morell who can who can really really get cooking, and, and they've got multiple guys that can score. Breakfield, the Duke transfer, and I really like their point guard transfer from St. Peter's. So Chris Beard's a really good coach. And when you don't know these teams, like they know each other in the league, and you get them on a you know neutral court setting against a team that doesn't know them, 
I think Ole Miss and Florida could surprise could surprise people. I see. I like Ole Miss, Florida, and Mississippi State. I worry. Mississippi State just can't shoot. Man. Yeah, they just can't shoot. Like I, I, I wonder if all three of them, like if if they catch a draw where they're an eight nine or a seven ten. I'm not sure any of them have the horses to beat a one or a two seed. Like I'm, I'd be I'd be struggling to pick them against. You know, if any of them had Arizona or Purdue or something, I'm not sure I'd be willing to, to, to go that upset route. Wouldn't be surprised, based on how they've played in league play, if any of those teams can actually do it, though. I mean, I, like you said, Ole Miss has a lot to like. Chris Beard's been in the tournament. Chris Jans has been in the postseason before. Nearly nearly took Auburn out back in 2019 with mm-hmm. uh, with, with New Mexico State uh, before he's and – you're, and you're right, that's a team that, uh, you know, they, they launch a lot of threes and, and miss probably too many of them. Uh, but I, uh, I mean, like it's it's cheating to pick Tennessee, right? Because they're probably going to be a two. They might be a one seed before it's all said and done. And you talk about every, everything that you like about a tournament team: old guards and and consistent shooting. And like there's there's a lot to like about what Tennessee seems to be taking in the NCAA's. But no, I think the SEC could provide a couple of Cinderellas if the uh, if the draws are favorable for the teams that you just named, Jake. Yeah, I, I think so. But you know what they'll do? They'll put you know like six SEC teams in the bottom of one region together, and, and they'll all play each other in the second round. But look, I mean, I, again, I just watched the SAU make the Final Four. I watched the 16 seed beat a one. You, you know, I mean, we watched Fairleigh Dickinson do what they did last year, beat Purdue. At this point, nothing would shock me in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't shock me if aliens landed right before the tip-off uh, to watch the game at, at this point. So. Uh, there's a lot of teams out there, I think, that can win it, and it's all about who's playing good at the end. That's the why al- I never get too high or, or too low with Auburn. The aliens didn't play anybody, Jake, and so they don't belong in. You know, they got to at least put them in the play-in game. Yeah, I think yeah strength gotta, of schedule. They got to go to, right, they, they gotta go to Dayton first. Smart, look, if they're smart enough to figure out a way to get here, let's go ahead and put them in. I don't feel good about our chances if we yeah. upset them. Well, I, we've got we've got to figure out their eligibility and if they can transfer or what, not. Give uh, the Ivy, oh, give no, the, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? There's no rules. Get the, uh, that's no right. Rules. Hey, hey, ten years now too. Uh, I, the, I, I guess the Ivy League spot could go to the uh, you know if they if they figured out uh, if they if they were smart enough to figure out uh, space travel, you give them give them uh, give them the spot that was going to go to Yale. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Hey, I, I gotta, okay. I gotta get, gotta get Jake's thoughts. I mean, because just last week we were talking about there'd be some coaching moves after signing day. Mm-hmm. They weren't exactly what what we had in mind. I'm not shocked when Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff go back to Seattle to the uh, to the NFL. But uh, Chip Kelly from uh, head coach to offensive coordinator in the same league. Yeah, look, I've. Uh... I've seen a lot of, of different coaching moves. I mean, we've seen a group of five head coaches like Sean Lewis from Kent State go to Colorado and as an offensive coordinator. We watched Kane Womack go from South Alabama to Alabama, a uh, head coach to a coordinator, but never seeing a Power 5 head coach go to being a Power 5 offensive coordinator in the same league. I think this is an anomalous situation, though. Obviously, if you remember the saga between UCLA and Chip Kelly during the year, there was a lot of, of talk about him getting let go. Uh, a lot of people are making this about NIL and all that stuff. I, I think that's way overblown. I don't think this is something you'll see a lot of, but I do think the, the couple of instances that I labeled earlier with Sean Lewis and Kane Womack, I, I do think that's something you're going to see more and more of, especially if you see a breakaway between Power 5 and Group of 5. I think you're going to see a lot of Group of 5 head coaches end up coming to Power 5 to be coordinators, like we see a lot of FCS coaches coming to be power five coordinators or even group of five coordinators. 
Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, the craziness continues. And I know we're about out of time, but, yeah, it's, it's great. Baseball gets started this week. College baseball uh, getting cranked up and, and pitchers and catchers starting to report uh, in, in Florida and Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's here. You know, I'm excited about softball, too. I know they're, they're off to a tough start uh, down there in the Plains, but they'll get it figured out, hopefully. Uh, but college baseball, Butch Thompson, one of the best in the business. Uh, I'm really excited about the team uh, this year. Excited to see him swing the bats and, and get this puppy rolling. The SEC is just an absolute gauntlet again. It's unbelievably impressive how good the conference is. Do we get nine hosts in regionals this year? I don't know. We'll see. Not the craziest, not the craziest thought. Jake, great stuff as always. Uh, I know you guys have got uh, a ton going on. Just let, let everybody know some of the things they can uh, be looking forward to and how, of course, they can access it. Definitely. Uh, it's easy. If you watch your sports shows, it's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all that stuff. Uh, we take live calls, have a live chat. We got Ron Slay from the SEC Network talking some college basketball tomorrow, uh, including Auburn in a big one. Let's handle business, get to Kentucky on Saturday. Hopefully game day, I think, is coming, right? That is right. Saturday for the Cats. Yep. That'll be great. But, no, I appreciate it, guys, and it's always fun. Thanks, Jake. Have a great week. All right, see y'all. All right, we need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Born and raised in Lee County.